0: So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio.
1: Alleluia, He has risen. Happy Easter. Thanks for being with me today. Hopefully you're still on the high of Easter and not on the crash of Easter. We were driving home from all the festivities yesterday and we're some of those parents who don't really feed our kids or toddler candy and she was just being plied with candy and one of the cousins after I had said no more candy came and brought her orange candies and gave them to shit but it's okay they're orange and then I said okay no more and then she gives my daughter another piece of candy she said, it's okay it's green it's apple it's healthy it's totally healthy let's just say she was absolutely plied with sugar And by the time we got into the car and I took away that piece of candy for the next 10 minutes, it was screaming, mama took my candy away until she fell asleep. And then we had silence, blissful silence until this morning. You know, someone did not tell my children, hallelujah, he is risen, not they have risen because my kids woke up at 2 a.m. and 5 a.m. And the 5 a.m. wake up was sleep. Finally, the baby was sleeping after her feeding, and then she wakes back up, vomits, and has a blowout. You don't know what a blowout is. You know it's really funny to teach people what blowouts are. The humor of parenthood, Uh, and then I'm cleaning it up. We're almost done. Thinking, oh, get a little more sleep. And then my toddler wakes. My toddler wakes up an hour and a half early. Yeah, you guys do not need to rise early. So haggard and humorous over here. I think that's the best way to look at parenthood. Sometimes (laughs) that's where we come from. We're actually going to talk about it during our weekly happy hour today. uh, Some of the joys of parenthood. Why having kids actually does make you happier, even in the midst of the suffering and the challenges, why it's a joy. I was sharing a real moment of parenthood last week and this one person just left this comment saying like, I don't care how much you say it makes you grow and how great it is. I'd still rather have no children and none of that to deal with. So we're actually going to talk about why having kids makes you happier and we're going to dive into the topic of why exercise helps to prevent anger. We'll talk about hope over despair and how to celebrate the octave of Easter as we are celebrating Easter beyond just Sunday. Join me today on Trending is Sal DiStefano. He is the founder of Mind Pump Media. You can find him at mindpumpmedia.com. He is a top fitness trainer in the nation. He's founded Mind Pump to really help bring a healthy perspective on fitness, health, food, all of that. He has a fantastic book, The Resistance Training Revolution, It's a No Cardio Way to Burn Fat and Age proof your body in only 60 minutes a week that's right only 60 minutes a week i think that's more of the balance that we're looking for in terms of a health regimen instead of what we often focus of how long every single day we have to exercise finding that balance and what is sustainable and that's what i love about sal de stefano sal welcome back to trending today
0: timory thanks for having me on again by the way happy birthday i heard it was your birthday yesterday
1: Ah, uh, thank you. Indeed it was. Yeah, it was a fun day to have a birthday, Easter celebration. Better than Good Friday.
0: Yeah, perfect. <laughs> That's um, awesome.
1: Yeah, so Sal, you I know you have young children in the home. You're a dad. Uh, You speak profoundly to what's happening in the culture with the children. I want to talk about children a little later on, but I was thinking about this topic earlier about how so many people are struggling with anger. I was just talking to a friend the other day, and he was talking about how just there are seasons of anger that comes up in his life, and he's like, "Man, I need to talk to a priest about this." I said, "Yes, you do that. That's something to work on." However, I know one thing that anyone's going to ask when you start talking about the difficulty with anger. is they're going to ask you two things actually. are you getting enough sleep and are you exercising? So I wanted to bring you on today to talk about why exercise helps with that anger and aggression that can occur in all of us, but I would also argue especially for men.
0: Yeah, great. That's a really great question. Well Well first off, um, I think improving your health or just being healthy probably reduces feelings or likely reduces feelings of anger or irritability. And I think we can all relate to that. We all know how we feel when we're slightly sick um, or not so well. You know, happy times don't feel as happy. Bad times feel a little bit worse. We're more irritable. We're more snappy. We're less likely to uh, be self-aware. Um, so generally, just improving your health, which exercise does if you apply it properly, it just makes you feel better. You just feel more patient and more calm. So. There's that when it comes to health, but there's also a a bigger picture here, which is that the pursuit of exercise or the consistent pursuit of it, right? Doing it on a regular basis, week by week, month by month, year by year, it really is a a growth vehicle. It's a personal growth vehicle. Through the process of exercise, you learn struggle, you learn failure, you learn self-acceptance, you develop a, a healthy relationship with pain because exercise to some extent is hard and it hurts but if you do it for a while you start to appreciate the pain that you get from it you, you notice some people who work out for a long time or who've been doing it for a while will say oh i like the way it feels you know and someone who just started is like how could you possibly like this this hurts uh really really bad so <laughs> that that process of uh, of personal growth through exercise it just kind of develops you into a more, more mature um calm person and then in the short term. Exercise has been shown to produce uh, the feel good chemicals, the catecholamines that give us energy, and the endorphins that make us feel uh, euphoric. So, there's also a little bit of that, that, that chemical action that's happening um, that helps us. And then, lastly, I would say, especially if you have a lot of parents that are listening uh, right now, it could be so hard. You know, having children is so self sacrificing, and it could be so hard to do anything for yourself. Well, when you do take a little bit of time away to exercise, you are doing something for yourself. Now, the downstream effect of that, of course, is everybody benefits from having a healthier, um, happier parent, but having that break and doing something in that break that's for you, that also just makes you less angry. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I think just across the board, um, if you do it the right way and apply it the right way, and I I say that caveat because, of course, you can overexercise or do it in a way that's unhealthy, but if you do it the right way, And you do it to take care of yourself, and you you do it for a long time. You'll you'll find it just generally makes you a calmer, more patient, uh, happier person.
1: Yeah, what you're talking about makes me think the word resilience. Isn't that something we all so deeply desire? Is to have resilience. You know whether you're home trying to be patient with your children or in a work environment with your family. You know, when things change with your spouse, we need to have resilience. I think that's something we really lack today. All these things you mentioned, the exercise brings, you know, patience, calm, uh, the chemicals that are kicking in when we exercise, it brings serenity and happiness and pleasure and delight. All of these things are so important from exercise that counteracts that anger, aggression, and irritability that can so easily uh, build up. I was even thinking when I had my first daughter a few years back. And I was getting these headaches out of nowhere about a month and a half in. I'm thinking, what on earth is this? And I could think the only thing that's really changed apart of course, from having a baby is I'm not really exercising yet. And I had to jump right back into exercise. I was getting tension headaches. They were making me angry because I hadn't hit back into the proper exercise routine. And I think a lot of people who have maybe had a history of exercise knows what it feels like to not have exercised. But there are also people who maybe don't have that habit yet of fitness. And so they don't realize how good they're going to feel to build that resilience and be able to say, aha, that's what's wrong with me right now.
0: Yeah. And and you, you know, you definitely want to put an asterisk there because this is it's important for people to understand that it's the appropriate application of exercise. Because someone may be listening and they may have tried this before. They may have gone to the gym or or tried a workout program and just gone too hard or too long. Of course not. What determines what's too hard or too long? Well your current level of fitness and the, uh, the current level of total stress you have in your body. So if you're, if you're inactive, if you're completely inactive now, if all you do is work and then come home, it's not gonna take much to get the benefits of exercise and doing more than that isn't gonna necessarily give you more results or give you better results. It may in fact be too much for your body because as you're saying, you start to build a resilience towards the stress of exercise. It's really no different than your skin's ability to tan when you're out in the sun. If you, you know been in the basement for three years and you go outside, it might take you very little to get any changes in your skin. But if you stay out there too long, you just get a sunburn. So you have to apply it appropriately and you should feel good immediately after your workout. You should not feel exhausted. You should not feel like you just went through war. You should finish your workout Jen. and feel like, wow, I feel pretty good. And that's what you're aiming for each time you exercise. And that's what gives you these benefits.
1: That you bring up a really interesting point. I was talking to a psychotherapist friend of mine last year, and we were talking about mm-hmm. exercise. And she was saying she had read a study that discussed how, for women, women usually exercise for the sake of energy and feeling good, and how men tend to like to exercise for the sake of just pummeling their bodies and being exhausted and so that kind of counteracts what you're saying where you're saying we should all feel good men and women and I think that that maybe touches at least on my mindset of how some men you know they think okay I'm gonna work out for three hours one day a week and like that's kind of my thing I got it in and yet that's not really what builds that resilience that helps with that emotional integrity that we're looking for.
0: Yeah. You're, if you think of extra now, remember, exercise is sold to most people through the side effects of exercise, which are fat loss and muscle building and changing how your body looks. So I'm going to speak to that because I know that motivates most people exercise really, if we really break it down, it's a stress on the body that tells your body that it needs to adapt and change in order to be able to be more resilient to the same insult or the same stress later. So that's why you get stronger resilience. That's why you build stamina. So if i lift something today and it's hard but i practice it over time it gets easy because my body starts to adapt okay if the stress signal is too much for your body to handle then your body cannot adapt it can only focus on healing and so what you end up with is this situation where you beat yourself up you get really sore you heal and you go back to the gym and do it again but you never really improve you never really get any stronger You really never build any resilience. So the amount of stress that you apply in your body through exercise must be the perfect dose. And if you are a beginner or if you're not getting good sleep or if your diet isn't right, or you're already under a lot of other stress from life and work, it's not going to take much to get your body to move in the right direction. And it won't take much more than that to to do too much. Now, if you're advanced, you've been exercising for a long time everything's dialed in well then you can do those long hard workouts that tend to get glorified on on social media right but it must be the right amount so if someone's listening and they they really haven't done anything consistently literally a 15-minute walk every single day will provide profound benefits Mm -hmm. once that becomes habit once that becomes something that they do on a regular basis and no big deal well now they can add to that right or let's say you know one or two you know, strength training exercises like I'll do some push-ups and I'll do some air squats, and you do them with a moderate intensity. Again, you're not trying to beat yourself up, right? And that's where you start. So you have to train yourself appropriately or apply the appropriate amount of stress with exercise in order to yield these benefits. If you do too much, it's no different than applying too much of any stress. It'll actually not only not give you results; it'll actually be detrimental. In fact, studies show people that overtrain or overwork. Um, I mean, they they have higher rates of uh, heart disease, cancer, you name it. And you think, well, how can exercise cause that? Well, if you if you do it the wrong way or you apply it too much of it, Mm -hmm. then it's not healthy. So and and, and by the way, doing more than what I'm saying doesn't get you there any faster. It's like a medication. Uh, It's like taking a drug like the right the right dose is what's going to fix you, you know, get your get rid of your infection. Too little won't do it and too much might poison you. So it's the same thing with exercise, the right amount for your body in the context of your life at the moment will give you the best results. Remember that when you're when you're going out there to try this.
1: I think that's really significant, Sal. And if you're just joining us, that's Sal DiStefano from mindpumpmedia.com. Sal, you're talking about proportionality that I think a lot of people really struggle with when it comes to exercise. You know, you know, I'm not a runner and some people are runners. You know, so it's a matter of finding the type of exercise that works for you, but then according to your state in life and the time that you have in sustainability and I don't think many people put it the way you just put it, that there is an adequate amount of stress that is appropriate for our body to build that resilience rather than just lead to exhaustion that prevents any growth in what we're doing in terms of our body, our resilience, our mental health. And that, that proportionality really, I think, ties into this uh, emotional integrity and virtue that's necessary. We are living in a time when our mental health crisis, as at its worst here in the United States, along with our physical health is, In a really bad place for many people, even though we live in a fitness guru type of culture. I think there's that group of people who's on it and they're doing it. But I think as a society as a whole, a lot of people are struggling with this. And so, I want to talk a little bit about finding that proportionality in your state in life to help with that emotional integrity. Because I think the t- the key topic here was how does exercise help to prevent anger? Well, it's through proportional mm-hmm. development of exercise as a habit in our lives. And I know that's what you talk a lot about in your book, The Resistance Training Revolution.
0: Yeah, no, you, you hit the nail on the head. First off, you can't separate mental health from physical health. We've done this for too long. And I think this has really done us a disservice. If your physical health declines, your mental health tends to decline as well and, and vice versa. So um, and, and it's no coincidence that the worst physical health uh, time in American history is now is also some of the worst uh, mental health. Um, they're both very closely related. Remember, the brain is a part of the body and the mind uh, is you know, a part of the brain and, and our, our body. So they're all closely connected. In fact, uh, you know, they just did a meta analysis and and determined that um, exercise should be considered a first line treatment uh, for mild to moderate forms of depression and anxiety. That's just how effective it is at making us uh, feel better. But you have to apply it the right way. So what does that mean? Okay, so I'll, I'll, I'll make it simple for somebody. Take your current lifestyle, look at what you're doing now, and then ask yourself, what's one thing I can do that is both challenging yet realistic for me to continue forever. So it's got to be challenging. Otherwise, it's not going to have any meaning for you. But it has to be realistic forever. Otherwise, you're going to fall in the category of the 90 plus percent of people who end up stopping. That's what it looks like. So when people start a program, a workout program or a diet, about 90% of them end up falling off within a year or two. And I'd, I'd extend it to even higher percentages if we go out three or four years. So ask yourself, what's one thing I can do that's Somewhat challenging, but realistic forever. And whatever that is, do that, that's it. So it's, it, and if it's a little bit more than you're doing now, your body will improve its fitness and allow yourself to slowly build upon that. And then use this as your guide. Here's a couple things you can use as your guide. Number one, you should not feel super sore after your workout. And a lot of people think that's a good indicator of a good workout. That actually means you did too much. A little bit of soreness the day after is fine. No soreness is perfectly fine as well. Soreness that lasts longer than a half a day probably means that you did too much. And don't judge that, whatever that is, because a lot of times people are like, oh my God, I was sore, but I barely did anything because they're comparing themselves to how they were maybe in high school or college when they played uh, organized sports. So that's number one. Number two, you should feel more uh, invigorated at the end of your workout than you did at the beginning. Okay, it should not be I have energy at the beginning of my workout and at the end of my workout, I feel like I need to sit down on the couch and and lay down for a little bit. So you should feel more energized after your workout. So think of it this way. I'm going to go out and hang out with my kids for a couple hours. I'm going to work out beforehand. So I have a lot of energy to play with my kids, right? That's the way you should feel after your workout. So if you use those two things to help you judge the right amount and right intensity. You're more often than not going to apply it uh, the right way, the right intensity, the right amount of volume or length and the right amount of frequency in terms of days per week. And if you do it that way over time, you'll see your fitness, your health improve. And of course, the mental state uh, that comes from it, which is, again, like I said, studies are very clear on this. This is not just my opinion. You're calmer, less depressed, more happy and less irritable. You're less irritable, which means you're probably going to be less angry as well.
1: You're talking about taking action in our exercise. It's so important. I keep thinking about anger and how exercise helps to prevent that anger. And anger is an emotion, but emotions, if we just react to them, are unreasonable, right? But what you're talking about is taking an action with your exercise, and that's going to impact our mental health to get that calm, that patience, that healthy serenity that we need to implement into our lives so that we can live our lives and feel better as we're moving through the day. We actually have a question coming in. If you're just joining us, that's Sal Stefano from mindpumpmedia.com. He has an excellent book can find it online the resistance training revolution the no cardio way to burn fat and age-proof your body in only 60 minutes a week so check it out i'll post on social media as well as the episode notes for today's show so be sure to subscribe to the podcast we have a call coming in from nancy in illinois nancy what is your question for sal today hi to you both um so Sal, i know you were talking about finding that sweet spot but um those two um Uh, things you mentioned about either being sore and then feeling more invigorated. I'm sore constantly, but at the same time, I do feel invigorated afterwards. Um, And I mean, I'm I'm 44, so an older female, but um, I know cortisol can play a big role. You know, how does my body distinguish, you know, cortisol from stress as opposed to maybe cortisol from working out? Because I, I think I do work out too much, but if I don't work out, I feel like I'm wasting my time. So it's like, I guess I'm asking, is there an objective way instead of just how I feel, if I feel sore or not, is there an objective way for me to see am I doing too much? Yeah, mm, no, This gr- is a great question. I'm just going to summarize it really quick for those who are listening. Finding that balance for exercise, uh, that sweet spot, if you're feeling sore every day, is that too much? Um, she's sharing, Nancy, that she thinks she has maybe activated cortisol potentially from exercise and not just from stress in her life. So where's that sweet spot, Sal?
0: Okay, great question, Nancy. Okay, so first off, uh your body doesn't differentiate between the stress from exercise and the stress from anything else that's stressful it all goes in the same stress bucket so if we were to examine your body while you were working out uh, scientists wouldn't be able to determine what kind of stress there is now the reason why exercise if applied properly is good for you is through like a hormetic effect okay It, it, it causes your body to adapt and strengthen itself so it can become more resilient but you get a cortisol spike from exercise just like you do Um, from anything else. Now, what you're probably experiencing is, first off, cortisol does provide us with energy. Cortisol is an energy hormone. That's why it spikes in the morning. The problem with too much cortisol is it starts to break things down. It's a stress hormone and it can promote fat storage. Uh, Your body wants to gain body fat when it feels too stressed for too long because it's like an insurance policy. I mean, for thousands and thousands of years, uh, one of the greatest stresses we had that was chronic was we couldn't find food. And so your body is just adapted or, or excuse me, evolved this way. And it's going to say, okay, um, we're really stressed all the time. Let's increase hunger cues. Let's uh, decrease muscle mass because muscle burns too many calories. We want to become more efficient or thrifty. And let's try to store more body fat. You also said that you were sore all the time. You're definitely doing too much. Whatever it is that you're doing, it's either too hard, too much, or both. Now, you think you're wasting your time with your workout because you've probably developed an inaccurate relationship with exercise, which is quite common. A lot of people feel like they're wasting their time if they don't beat themselves up or they don't get sore from the workout, but nothing could be further from the truth. In fact, when I used to train people, I trained people for over two and a half decades uh, before I ever became a podcast host. Um, One of the most common uh, comments that I would get from clients when they would finally do it the right way was, this feels too easy, my body's getting more fit, I'm getting leaner, I can see my muscles shaping, but I feel like I'm barely doing anything, what's going on? Well, what's going on is we're working with your body, not against it. So this is not something you need to force happen, this is something that you kind of trigger and then your body does the rest. So whatever you're doing now, uh, Nancy, is too much for your body, you need to back off and allow the exercise to be the right amount of stress and give your body an ability to adapt, because right now it seems like it's only concerned uh, with healing. By the way, if you are a stressed person on a regular basis, if you have a very stressful life, uh, over time you could start to develop this, uh, this, this relationship with cortisol. We used to call them cortisol junkies in the gym, where the only time they felt energy, because at this point they'd been doing it for so long, was to give themselves a spike of cortisol. So they drank a lot of coffee, They showed up late to appointments quite often because that makes them, gives them a little energy. And the only kind of workouts they like were the ones that beat them up because in the short period of time after the workout, they felt a little energy and they felt good from the cortisol spike. So if that's resonating with you, then you're probably doing too much.
1: That's Sal D. Stefano. You can find him at mindpumpmedia.com, his podcast, his book, all helpful tools for finding that sweet spot with exercise. And I love what you're talking about, you know, finding that balance, not spiking your cortisol, not being sore all the time, having something that energizes you versus just makes you hit a wall and you don't want to do it anymore. You only do it once a week, maybe then. So we'll talk more about this topic in days to come. Saudi Stefano is staying with us. We're going to talk about why having kids makes you happy. which I think is so important because Sal is an anomaly out there he's in the fitness world but he's also talking a lot about the importance of parents fathers and especially having children why that's a good and great thing to do so we'll be right back during our weekly happy hour today on trending also talking about why we should have hope versus despair and how to celebrate the Easter octave For 40 years, Colby Academy, our show sponsor, has aided parents to help their children excel spiritually and academically. On April 21st, Colby is hosting a virtual open house. Don't miss it. Register today at relevantradio.com Colby.
0: Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timmery on Relevant Radio. Call Timmery at one 914 9149
1: Here's your host, Timmery. Sally Stefano is joining me today on Trending. You can find his book at the resistance training revolution online, talking to you about how to burn fat, age-proof your body, and do it in just 60 minutes a week. You can find him at mindpumpmedia.com. He is a top fitness guru in the podcasting world, uh, really internationally right now. And something that has been really fascinating, Sal, over the last couple of months, I've seen as you've been posting a lot on social media about having a family and children and the importance of of moms and dads in having that traditional family structure. And you say some pretty bold things in 21st century. I was just talking to my husband the other day about how, you know, having children today really is countercultural. And you're saying something profoundly countercultural on social media when you post this, and especially coming from the perspective of fitness for so long, I imagine it's ruffling a lot of feathers. What has the response been?
0: It's interesting. Um, when I talk about, I guess the value of having kids or how much I love being a dad, I get it's either one or the other. I'll either get this really great response, uh, from other parents, other fathers, um, who just, they, they understand and and agree. And then there's this really weird kind of triggered reaction I get for some, from some people who are like, you know, um, I can find meaning in other ways or, um, you know, I can do what I want with my life and there's other things I can do or I don't want to, you, know, uh, you know, spend time and money on a burden on burdens like children. I mean, I can't believe some of the stuff people are saying, <laughs> but it's, it's really interesting how it's this uh, this com- the conversation is, is quite polarizing, which is strange I, 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 to me. It's I mean, I kind of get it because media does paint a picture of having kids and especially of being a father as uh, this terrible thing it takes up your time you can't have fun anymore life is over you know type of deal um so uh, you know people are inundated with that and and the truth is it is hard to have kids it does take up a lot of time it does cost a lot of money but that's such a small part of the story it's not at all a complete picture um and i think if, if people really understood the full and complete picture. They would see why, um, you know, most good parents wouldn't trade anything for uh, for their children. They, they wouldn't give their kids up for anything. So, it's it's an interesting conversation, but it's definitely a sign of the times. It really
1: is a sign of the times. And you mentioned some people are grateful, and then there's a visceral reaction on the other side. Someone just posted on my social media the other day because I try to be honest about the challenges of being a parent. I think it's easy to sugarcoat it and show our beautiful (laughs) moments, Uh, but then there are a lot of really, really challenging moments, and it's an opportunity to grow. It's one of the best opportunities to grow, but someone commented the other day saying, seriously, I very much prefer to be single and child-free than living in bondage like this with uh. children. Just saying, and My jaw dropped when they said bondage. I mean, to think that it's that extreme, but that's what the sexual revolution pushed forward. That for women to not have access to contraception, abortion, meant that women were just absolutely chained to the idea of children. And it's gone so far that there's this hatred uh, for children today. Yet the reality is, is that it's, you know, people talk about growth mindset and how to become a better person and what can I do? What are those five tips? Give you one tip, have a child and be present to your child and raise that child and it will transform your life. So, Sal, I want to hear a little bit about how this has become significant to you. Tell us a little bit about your family and why sharing this, especially on a public platform where seemingly some people might have this idea of wanting to cancel you, um, that you're willing to do it.
0: Yeah, no, I, I have four kids and, um, it, you know, why do I talk about it? Because, well, first off, when we started the podcast, I, I, you know, I'm not a media person. And I, one thing that I learned uh, training people in gyms was in order to be effective at helping people get more fit, I had to be very real and authentic myself so people could connect with me, which wasn't too hard. I, 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 that tends to be part of my personality. So as soon as we started the podcast, you know, without any media training, that's just what I did. And, and my partners are the same. And so we just talked about, you know, what was important to us and what was happening during the day. And we're all dads. And that's a major topic of discussion. Um, but I think it's important to talk about because uh, people, gosh, I can't think of, you know, before you have kids, it's really hard to love anything more than yourself. I can't think of anything <laughs> I would love more than myself, than my kids. That's, that's earthly, right? And mm-hmm. when you have children, you all of a sudden love something on this earth more than yourself. And I, nothing can force you to become a better person more than that. Now, is it hard? Is it challenging? Are you going to lose sleep? You can't do whatever you want all the time. You can't just be hedonistic and all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, that's all true, but is it worth it? I mean, it's worth it times uh, uh, in, infinity. It's the most worth it thing um, that you'll ever do in, in that particular case. So and then also, you, you know, you, you, if you choose not to have children and it's a choice, um, you're choosing to give up the potential or the opportunity to develop the deepest relationship with a human that you could possibly develop. I mean, if you if you have a child and you're present and you want to be a good parent, you're going to have a relationship with someone from their birth till, till somebody die, till you die, hopefully, right? And that's a very deep, meaningful relationship that you can't match with really anyone, uh, any other human on, on earth. So it's, it's a pretty remarkable, amazing thing. And, you know, I, I like to be very honest about it mm-hmm. and, and talk about how hard and challenging it is. And I do that too, because there's parents that listen, who maybe they've you know only heard the good. And then they're having kids are like, Oh my God, this is really hard. I didn't realize it would be so hard. It's like, look, this is going to be the hardest thing you've ever done in your life. And I don't mean that necessarily because you know building a business isn't hard or inventing something isn't hard or being a firefighter isn't hard the reason why having children is so hard is because you love them so much you love them more than yourself so that's what makes it challenging like if i mess up a little bit at work it sucks but when i screw up with my kids which i do all the time all of us do it's like oh my gosh like i i, I messed up with my kid like i gotta really i gotta really work on that you can't be a better parent without being a better person. It's impossible. Nothing will make you look in the mirror like having children. Like you can have all kinds of bad habits, but then when you see your kids develop some of those habits, it's like, okay, we gotta work on this. And then you're like, wait a minute, I gotta work on me too. You know, this Mm -hmm. is something that I do. Right. Um, It's a moment of truth
1: when you're facing your kid and you have this option of how you're going to react in that moment. And one could go in a terrible direction. The other could be a real challenge, like you said, to say, oh my goodness, I'm loving someone more than I love myself right now. Uh, That's a challenge.
0: Yeah. And it's, um, you know, I've I've had lots of, you know, good times and I've traveled and had fun and, you know, all that stuff. But, you know, nothing, nothing compares. Like, I'll I'll give you an example. This was like, this happened the other day. I have a five-month-old and uh, you know, when they're infants, you have you have challenges at night when they're hard to sleep or whatever. And for the first four months or so, it was really hard. And my wife was she she, she bears the the brunt of that, and uh, it was getting really tough. So we, I took over for a few nights. I said, "Let me take over the night, and you go sleep somewhere else because it, it's hard for her to even be in the same house if the baby's crying, she can't sleep." So she left. So it was just me and the baby, and it is hard. Let me tell you, I I, I know what it's like waking up every couple hours. But there was a moment there where my daughter wakes up and I just put her down and I'm like stumbling over to get her and I am just so tired and I'm holding her and I'm giving her the bottle and I'm just, oh, you know, you get all kinds of crazy emotions when you're that tired, right? And then I look at her and she makes eye contact with me and she smiles at me. And I swear it made all of it worth it. All of it became worth it in that moment right there. And it's it's so hard for someone to understand who hasn't experienced it, <laughs> but it's truly transformative. We're just sitting on the couch with all four of my kids around me. Uh, I feel so full. I, I don't know any, there's no other word to really describe. Like my, my heart is so full that I could literally, uh, you know, cry. I, you know, I, I, there's really nothing else to explain it. And so I feel bad for people who give up on the opportunity to potentially experience um, what's that what that's like. And But yes, I, again, I want to say this. It's hard, but really, you know, nothing easier isn't better there's a lot of things in life where easier is worse and this is one of them so will you have an easier life i mean you know yeah you'll get more sleep you'll have more money and all that stuff is it Mm -hmm. better no it's not better
1: Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm You know, it's interesting. I had asked the question last year during one of our happy hours, are people who have children happier? And the response was both people would say, yes, I'm happier with children. But the response more so was, I'm more fulfilled. And you mentioned that a moment ago. It's a filling. It it edifies you. Uh, And it's so challenging, but it does edify you. And I'm seeing this resounding cry of the childless here in the United States and all over uh, the Western world world, all over Europe. It's this cry of people who are saying, I wish I had children. I wish I had more children. And you know, we see all of this with a third party reproductive technology that is so damaging for people's bodies today. And it's out of this pursuit of realizing later on, I want to love something or someone more than myself. And yet that realization is coming often too late and with great burdens when it's forced uh, through medical technologies today. And so I think that what you're saying is speaking to a culture that so desperately needs to hear it. And even in the midst of the visceral reactions, I find people often come around after confronting some of the wounds that they themselves have experienced in this year upon year long attitude of rejecting children that our culture says you should do and delay
0: yeah I, you know it's it's, it's it's interesting like if you're a man and you're listening right now, or I should I say if you're a boy, um, nothing will force you to grow up. Two things will make you grow up a good woman, so you get married to a woman that you you're, you're, you're willing to be uh, you know devoted to, she'll force you to grow up and having children will force you to grow up and, and, and until those two, two two things happen, it gets really tough. It's really hard to grow up. You kind of stay a child uh, for most of your life. You, you get into fast cars and you spend your money and you go out and you hang out with lots of different women. And let me tell you that um, that not only gets old, that starts to become hell on earth. So, you, you know, it's, it'll, it'll force you to grow up and it'll force you uh, to grow. And then as far as women are concerned, um, this, this is an interesting statistic, but over 80% of childless women... Um, did so or, or became childless. Uh, and it wasn't voluntary. They just got, they got caught up in their career. They're told their career was so important. They did their education. Then they're ready to settle down and find a mate, but then they didn't find one in time. And then it became too late and they ended up not. So that's a, that's a huge percentage of women that don't have kids that actually wanted them, but it just time got away from them. Um, and I really think we need to stop lying to people. You know, the big lie is that you, your, your career is the most important thing you'll ever do in your life. Nothing right. is further from. I mean, you better have a darn amazing, incredible career like you better be Mother Teresa and devote yourself uh, to the world uh, for you to really find uh, the kind of meaning that you'll find from having humans that you're responsible for, that you love and that you want to raise. Um, you know, otherwise it's yeah. going to be you'll, you'll realize it when it's too late and then it'll be really hard.
1: And I think women are really, really struggling today with this idea that uh, to raise children, to devote the time, to pull out of career, uh, that that idea is, you know, I heard someone say recently that that's a trash lifestyle to have in 2023. And my heart broke to hear that because I truly believe the greatest thing we can do as parents, especially as women, is to truly nourish and raise up children because that's the greatest impact we will have on the world. One, two, three, four, five, however many human beings you you have the gift of bringing into this world, uh, that you can shape and form to influence the world you live in, and I think so many people today desire to have an impact, but for some reason, forming a human being has been looked at as a negligible impact. Yet that is what so many jobs attempt to try and do in reaching people.
0: Yeah, it's um, it's been sold, it's been it's been propagandized and sold to us in such a terrible way. Like like the fact that it's expensive. Children are so expensive. Mm-hmm. You know they're expensive. Yes, they do cost more money, but if you like, for example, people will say, "Oh my gosh, it's so much more expensive today than it was when my grandparents, uh, you know, got married." Well, if you compare apples to apples, it's not like they didn't have more than one car. You know, now people have two, three cars. They didn't have a bunch of TVs. They weren't paying for internet and streaming services and DoorDash and all these this entertainment. Like it's not uh, most people can do it and most people can do it just fine it does take you know and i hate to use the word sacrifice but the truth is the a real sacrifice is something worth sacrificing for and so yeah it's not that it's super does it take up your time it does but what else are you going to do this one always cracks me up well it's going it to takes up a lot of time what are you doing that's so <laughs> awesome all day long that you got you got to have your time what are you doing you're going out with your buddies and you're drinking and hanging out and you're like okay like you're going to compare that to being with your kid. Like you got, you got to be kidding me. So a lot of these arguments, I think it's like this really powerful media machine. You ask yourself why the media wants us to not have kids. I'll tell you why. Look at the consumption habits of single people versus the consumption habits of parents. When you don't have children, you got to buy and and you got to experience and stimulate and spend. When you have kids, you start to realize like that stuff's not that important. Like this is actually a lot better. I'd rather go to the park with my kids and spend all this money and all this entertainment and stuff like that. So. so but it a makes lot of sense.
1: parents are struggling because they're still trying to provide that same type of lifestyle for their child, but all that child wants is your presence. Your presence, not presents. And I think that's a challenge. They think that, you know, I give the gifts, the best things, the newest things. No, go to a park. It's as simple. It's as simple as that. The delight, the studies that show the amount of delight a child has at just going to a park and playing. It's so significant. And something you said about how people talk about uh, the fact that it's so expensive, you know, your life is over. I think that, you know, I've seen this firsthand. I remember before I started having children, you know, people would say, a theology professor of mine used to always say, with every child that comes, the child comes with a loaf of bread under the baby's arm. And I do think that's true in many ways. And I've seen it even when we've had children. Uh, With each child, there's been some sort of blessing that has come uh, with the gift of that child. But also, I think one of the challenges, Sal, is that new parents or people thinking about having children today expect to live at the same financial point that their parents are living in at the time that they themselves have children. So, they think, okay, we're going to have all these cars. We're going to have this type of salary. We're going to have this size house just like our parents do now, but we're going to do it 20, 30 years sooner and with our first kid and before that kid is even born. And it's funny because I remember when my husband and I first got married, we lived in a really, 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 really small little apartment attached to a house. I remember someone like Kind of mockingly said, "Oh yeah, your shoebox apartment," and I was insulted, but I also laughed it off at the same time, thinking, "You know what? We got married, and this is you know we're not focusing on all of these other things, and this is where we should be. I shouldn't expect to be at that point in my life today. Yet that's not what the culture tells us, or we tell ourselves."
0: Yeah, it's it's funny. It's um, you know, uh, men are told that money is the most important thing. Women are told it's their body. And they're told that, oh, you know, man, if you have kids, they're caught, they're expensive. You're not going to have much money. And women are told you're going to lose your body. Um, and it's 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 crazy because both those things are, I mean, in in the in the grand scheme of things, are they're nothing. Um, you know, yeah, money is important to an extent, but even the data, you know, it's funny, even the scientific data when they do studies on the shows that once certain basic needs are met, more money doesn't make you any happier. And then when yes. it comes to Happiness, your beauty, you could go from a, if you were to late, if you were, I was talking to my friend, Arthur Brooks, one of the most, he's a a behavioral scientist, very, very smart man. Mm -hmm. And he says, when they look at studies on happiness, let's say you're on a scale of one to 10 a four, and then you spend all your time and money making yourself a nine, you're going to barely affect your happiness, like barely, you might not even be able to measure it. So it's, uh, it's, you know, beauty and money and all the things that we think that, oh my God, I'm sacrificing these important things for having children. They they pair they pale in comparison. Unfortunately, it's sold to us the wrong way. And you only figure it out until you have them yourself. Then you have them. And yeah, it's hard and all that stuff. And you're like, yeah, but my gosh, like this is the most incredible experience. I could never go back. I could never go back to not having children. I would never want to go back. Um, It's it's an incredible experience. And for the guys that listen, you know, we talk about this on the show and I get a lot of young men who write in and they say man you know um, uh, you know i you know maybe i had a bad relationship with my father or i thought maybe i don't want to have kids but you guys inspire me now to to want to have children and raise my kids because uh, i've never heard it communicated this way which is cool but also very sad it's very sad yes. that yes. Um, no it's portrayed in, you know yeah it's in, like men, mm-hmm. you know dads on tv they're portrayed as these bumbling idiots and you know it's it's uh, it's, too, it's it's really sad for me it's um, it's not true at all
1: that's Sal Stefano Thank you so much for joining us for speaking up to the gift of having children, staying married, and in the midst of all the work you're doing for fitness, find his work at mindpumpmedia.com. That's Sal Stefano his podcast, fantastic book on implementing exercise to really make us resilient and actually having that habit and giving us energy. We'll be right back to talk about hope in the Easter season. On April 21st, our show sponsor, Colby Academy, is hosting a virtual open house where parents can meet with families from across the country and learn how your child can flourish at home. Register at RelevantRadio.com slash Colby.
0: Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timmery on Relevant Radio
1: and the Relevant Radio app. Hallelujah, he has risen. It is the Easter season and we are in the octave of Easter. So what that means is eight days to party like a Catholic, but we might get it wrong if we just think it's all about the food. It should be about the food. You should do something every day for these eight days of the Easter octave to incorporate food into the celebration of your day, to remember the resurrection, the significance that that food is a symbol of what we are celebrating. And it's a talking point at the table with people of faith people not of faith. Hey, maybe even celebrate and invite people over. I'm going to an Easter party on Saturday because Easter is still happening. Um, But I wanted to talk for just a moment about how to celebrate the octave of Easter. The Catholic Church, when we have significant feast days, such as Easter, which is the most significant feast day of the liturgical year, we have the opportunity to celebrate the octave. That means it's eight days. And in those eight days, you might ask, well, how do I do that? Food is one of those ways. Another way, the best way to celebrate any part of the liturgical year or feast day, whatever it might be, is to go to Mass as often as you can. Maybe you can't make it every day, but you can plan for it. And if you can't make it to Mass... Even then, read the daily mass readings. Read the accounts of the resurrection narrative. How the stories of the first reading and the psalm and the gospel all fit together to point to the significance of the historic event of our Lord Jesus Christ rising from the dead, the triumph of the cross, and the transformation that brings to your life and my life. And those whom we love can also, again, listen to the relevant radio download the Relevant Radio app. We're talking about Easter right now in this Easter octave. Another thing I love to do during the season, in addition to what I've mentioned so far, is the liturgy, the hours, all of the prayers, usually the priests and religious will pray during this Easter season are very much so geared, tying the Old Testament and New Testament texts of sacred scripture together, understanding the significance of of what happened in the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, his passion, and his resurrection. While we're on that note, we're going to be talking all week about hope. I think many people at times when we have a celebration, whether it's Christmas or Easter, whatever might be happening in life, sometimes you don't feel like celebrating. You're not in that place in your life or emotionally with it. And so I want to talk for a moment today, and we're going to take this theme throughout the week of hope. I think all of us, no matter where we're at in life, need to focus on hope. And hope is at the center of the resurrection. Maybe you don't feel like celebrating. Maybe you don't really have any intention of going beyond the celebrations of yesterday and the festivities. But I think sometimes that's where we like to stay on the cross and just leave ourselves there. It's where we embrace the cross and christ on the cross but we won't accept the joy and hope of the resurrection with him you aren't willing to come off the cross with him in the celebration in jesus christ he died for you so that he could rise for you for others as well maybe you're not happy because something's happening in your life impacting a loved one you're concerned about someone else so you don't feel like celebrating But here's the thing. Here's what's fascinating about the resurrection. I'll leave you on this note because we're going to talk about hope all week. Someone pointed this out to me recently when I was on a retreat. That Jesus Christ, after the resurrection, not once in any of the biblical texts do we see this focus where Jesus is venting about the passion, the death, the scourging, the crucifixion, any of it. He doesn't vent about it. He doesn't complain about it. He doesn't resent the people who abandoned him. I mean, think about it. He was betrayed by one of his closest friends and abandoned by all of the apostles except for John. And you don't see him turning and just reeling on them. He doesn't vent. He doesn't complain. He doesn't resent them. He is so focused on the significance of the resurrection and the transformation it brings to our lives. And I think that's a lesson for all of us, that whatever we may be going through in life, how we'd like to harp on something, vent, complain, resent a situation or a person, that is not what Jesus Christ does. And in the resurrection, he's calling us into new life. That's why all of these symbols of Easter bunnies and eggs, all of it symbolize new life, fertility, fertility. You know, why do we use bunnies? Because bunnies produce profusely. And it's a symbol of new life. And that which gives new life is what we honor and we celebrate. That's why historically, women have always worn veils within the history of the church. Because the veil veils what is holy, but also what veils the giving, the coming forth of new life. And so as we're talking about this Easter celebration, don't rest in despair. Choose the glory of the resurrection The cross, the triumph of the cross, that's a feast day because we need to remember to not stay hanging on the cross. Yes, we suffer in life. We endure great pain, but it is not in vain. And it's in Christ that if we're willing to go with him to the cross, we need to be willing to go with him and in him to the joy and the hope of the resurrection. So join me all week as we talk about the virtue of hope, how to overcome despair. Coming up next is the Family Rosary Across America with Father Rocky.